I'm Eric. And I'm Rob. Together, we host the Pulpit Fiction Podcast, the lectionary podcast for those who looked up Ezekiel 2517 and were sorely disappointed. Every week, we dig into four lectionary Bible passages. We'll feed your spirit, engage your mind, and kickstart your creative analysis, and hopefully get a laugh or two along the way. So if you like Art of the Sermon, check us out on the web at pulpitfiction.com or search Pulpit Fiction wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, this is Dan Wonderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. Well, I want to welcome in all of our listeners from all around the globe, but a special shout out to those of you listening in the United States. Two days ago was the 4th of July, so happy Independence Day to those of you that celebrate it. I hope that you got some time off, maybe got a nap in, or had a wonderful time out in your community. Also, of course, I hope you ate lots of hot dogs and hamburgers and watermelon and popsicles and drank some lemonade and saw some amazing fireworks. My family's tradition is to eat root beer floats, and I've continued that as an adult. And the amazing thing is my wife does not like floats of any kind, so I get them all now. I don't have to share them. I get all six IBC root beers and all of the vanilla ice cream, and you can probably tell by my voice that I'm still a little over-sugared, but it's a mix of the sugar and the fact that I'm really excited about today's topic, because instead of being another interview, it's another mini-sode where I'm just going to share with you some thoughts that I've had on a topic related to preaching. And now with all of the episodes, both the interviews, but especially these mini-sodes, I don't ever want them to be one-sided. I don't want my voice to be the only one in the conversation. So I want you to join the conversation by commenting on the show notes at artofthesermon.com or even better, reach out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. Uh, let me know what you think about today's episode. Did you really connect with something? Did you have any questions or were you just like, Dan, you were completely wrong. Here's the way it should be. I want to hear from you. Also, one more thing before we jump into the topic, and this kind of sets up the topic. For the last four episodes, including this one, we've run a pre-roll at for the Pulpit Fiction Podcast. Now, Rob and Eric are wonderful supporters of the Art of the Sermon Podcast. They were one of our earliest guests, and so you can scroll all the way back in your feed to the beginning, and you can find Rob and Eric's episode way back there, where they talk about preaching the lectionary, because the Pulpit Fiction Podcast is all about preparing to preach the lectionary. Now, the ironic thing is that Rob and Eric are not strict lectionary preachers, and so probably like you, you don't preach the lectionary every week either, but it's still a wonderful podcast. Maybe there is a season of the year where you dive into the lectionary, or maybe you just really enjoy listening to clergy talk about how to translate the scripture from the page into something that will connect with your community, because that's ultimately what they do. And one of the tools that they use to do that is looking at pop culture, and that takes us into today's topic, because today's topic is what we do when sermon illustrations aren't exactly family-friendly. See if you can relate with this situation. Have you ever been watching a TV show or a movie and thought, this would make a really great illustration, and then someone gets naked, or the main character gets wasted, or there's a brutal death that shows a little too much? Now, I'm not implying that you would show any of these scenes or even reference any of these particular scenes, but maybe there's another part of the episode or another part of the movie, or maybe one of the characters just really stands out, or one of the themes discussed in the overall work just really connects perfectly with what you want to preach on. The reality is that anything we mention related to pop culture in a sermon, there is a decent chance that someone, if not a whole bunch of people in your congregation, are going to seek them out. 
They want to see what inspired you. They want to see it for themselves and try to draw those connections too. So if you mention a TV show or a movie or a song or a poet or something, someone in your congregation, again, if not a large group, are going to seek out that work. And so sometimes we're stuck with this dilemma. Is it still the perfect illustration if some part of the wider work isn't family friendly or do we need to set this aside and find something else? Well, I've been thinking about what to do when we encounter these situations and uh, here are my thoughts that might help your discernment process. Of course, the first thing you should do is pray about it. Now, I'm assuming that you are praying about pretty much everything that you're doing as a pastor. This should be the first step when we are writing sermons or crafting social media messages. But when we're considering using something that might cross a line versus just picking out an image to show or picking out you know, which event to feature in a Facebook post, those are two different kinds of decisions. Some of them you can just trust your gut on, but this is one of those ones where we might need an extra dose of wisdom. So let's go ahead and explicitly say from the beginning that prayer should be our first move. Secondly, don't automatically reject something just because it's messy. You know, you you have this amazing feeling that this character or this theme, this show, this is perfect, and then something happens and just the floor drops out and you're like, oh, now I can't use it. The truth is, issues that people in our congregation are dealing with in their real everyday lives aren't always PG. Life is complicated, and it's not always safe for the little ears in our family. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that we should be vulgar or intentionally provocative from the pulpit, but one of the biggest criticisms of quote-unquote Christian movies and other faith-based media is that they're too simplistic and out of touch with real life. So if all of your illustrations and cultural references perfectly resolve like the family sitcoms of the past, don't be surprised if people tune you out because they feel like you just don't understand what real life is like. So don't be scared of the mess. Thirdly, let the stories of scripture be your guide. I mean, think about it. War, beheadings, drunkenness, jealousy, adultery, rape, murder, and that's just the life of King David, described as a man after God's own heart. Now, certainly those parts of his life were not when he was seeking after God's heart and reflecting uh, God's desire for his life, but it is amazing what God and the biblical writers were willing to include in scripture even about their heroes, isn't it? If it reveals something about God, if it reveals something about our relationship with God, if it can help people see themselves in the story, if it can help people see how they fit into the story of God and humanity, then it might be helpful. So let the stories of Scripture be your guide. Next, use Philippians 4.8 as a test. I'm sure you're familiar with the Scripture, but I'll read it for you. This is from the NRSV. Finally, beloved, whatever is true— Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So when Paul wrote this advice to the Philippians, he was certainly including the study of the scriptures. And for Paul and the people at the time, the scriptures were the Old Testament, which contained all of those crazy things in the lives of King David and all these other people. And so the messy parts of the Bible, the messy parts of the Old Testament certainly weren't always pure and pleasing on the surface, but they were an honest testimony of our need for God and our need for God's grace and mercy. The same can hold true for the illustrations we use today from pop culture. But we need to make sure that whatever we choose isn't just pushing boundaries for the sake of pushing boundaries. You shouldn't just be trying to shock people or light a fire under people just for the sake of seeing them squirm. Make sure it's something that ultimately helps point people to the gospel. Because the messiness of the Old Testament wasn't just there to shock people. It was there to point people towards God and our need for God. And so make sure that your use of illustrations now passes this test. Make sure it's true and honorable. Make sure it speaks to the 
the realities of life, but make sure it points to God. And on the other end of the spectrum from rejecting things out of hand just because they're messy, think about this. Just because it's messy or ambiguous doesn't mean it's profound. As with all pendulums, it's possible to swing too far one way or the other. And you know what? There's a lot of compelling and visually beautiful stuff coming out of places like Netflix and HBO. There's a lot of gritty realism. There's a lot of stuff that really seems to dig into the truth of life. And there's plenty that points to our sinfulness and our need for God. There's plenty that stirs emotions. But that doesn't mean it's actually profound or has something important to say. There are so many television shows and movies and things that take spiritual themes and throw them in a blender just because they know that they'll hit certain notes inside of you. We need to have an extra dose of discernment, an extra dose of wisdom to make sure that the things that we're looking at and the things that we're considering using in our sermons actually do point people to God just because it it sort of punches those buttons. It's like the original Matrix movie, you know, where they sort of hid Bible verses here and there and you're like, hey, Neo's kind of like Jesus and, and, you know, maybe he was, but maybe he wasn't. And then you start to realize there's all these other spiritual themes in there that don't exactly line up with Christianity. Just because it's messy or ambiguous doesn't mean it's profound and helpful. Next, understand that the medium matters, right? Reading about Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop in scripture is a different experience from seeing an actor or actress naked on screen, right? Reading about Joab thrusting three spears up into Absalom's heart in the Old Testament is different from watching someone get gunned down in a film. Even if you don't show the clip in church or as part of your sermon— It's reasonable, like we said at the beginning, it's a reasonable expectation that people in your congregation will seek out what you're referencing and they'll watch it themselves. And so you need to be sensitive to how something is presented, not just the theme or the subject matter. Maybe referencing a novel, something in print, might not be as affecting as seeing something visually, right? Visuals are very powerful, and especially nowadays, storytelling has become so powerful that the mixing of visuals and music and, and all this stuff together can really be affecting. So, so understand how the medium itself works before you go recommending something to your congregation. Next, be clear and intentional about why you're wanting to reference something. Sure, a Game of Thrones reference might get you some major cool points, but preaching is not about cool points. It's about making a connection. It's about showing people how to think theologically about the culture. It's about using a touch point that people already understand to help them grasp something about Jesus or the scriptures that they don't yet understand. If you want to reference something that most people haven't seen and it only supports your point in a roundabout way and you're only using it to show how up with the culture you are, it may be best to look for something else because if it's something that your congregation doesn't understand, it's not going to help them understand a piece of scripture they don't understand. You're just going to be presenting them with two things they don't understand. We are looking for illustrations that help clarify and amplify the scripture because remember, ultimately, the scripture and the gospel is the point. So be clear and intentional about why you want to reference something. Next, it's always a good idea to ask, are there other options? Yes, this story, this character, this theme is perfect. But before you settle on something that might distract from the message, see if it jogs your memory and reminds you of something else. Because themes and archetypes, characters, and even specific plot points are repeated thoroughly throughout books, television, music, and film. And just because the sermon point clicked with you when you watched, read, or heard this one thing doesn't mean there aren't other options that can be as effective or perhaps even more effective 
perspective because they're less distracting. So ask a colleague or some friends or some family or maybe even just put out a general post on Facebook saying, hey, I'm preaching on this topic coming up. Do any of you know any television shows, movies, songs, novels, whatever, that helps illustrate this point? Turn to your community to help you if you're debating with something that you're just getting the sneaking suspicion isn't going to work. It may be easier to set it aside if you know you have a better option. Lastly, as with all preaching, it's about context, context, context. A worship service full of families with young kids is different from a theology on tap gathering, right? A sermon at a college campus ministry is different from a sermon at First Church downtown or Family Bible Chapel outside of town. A gathering of non and nominally religious people is different from a gathering of lifelong believers. And just as Paul intentionally used a different approach with the philosophers on Mars Hill, we need to know our context as deeply as possible. This knowledge is part of the wisdom that we ask for in prayer. It's part of our discernment process, and it'll help us make the right call. We need to know our community. What can they handle? What are they comfortable with? Where can I push a little bit? And where is the line that I might cross that is too far? Knowing and understanding your context will help you because the truth is some illustrations will work for some communities, and they will totally not work for other communities. So to recap our steps from the beginning, pray about it. Secondly, don't automatically reject something just because it's messy. Third, let the stories of Scripture be your guide. Fourth, use Philippians 4.8 specifically as a test. Fifth, just because it's messy or ambiguous doesn't mean it's profound. Six, understand that the medium matters. Seven, be clear and intentional about why you want to reference something. Eight, ask yourself, are there other options? And finally, context, context, context. Okay, so I am sure there was something in that discussion that got you fired up, whether it was positive, hey, this is a great idea, we should all be doing this, or Dan, I think you completely missed the point. You were leading all of the preachers astray. This is going to be a disaster. No matter what your reaction was, I would love for your voice to be a part of the conversation. So you can leave comments on the show notes at artofthesermon.com or reach out through social media, Art of the Sermon on all of the major platforms. I would love to hear from you. And uh, also, again, thank you to Eric and Rob from the Pulpit Fiction Podcast for supporting this podcast. And if you're a new listener, thanks to the ad we ran on their podcast, welcome in. If you're an Art of the Sermon listener that has not yet checked out Pulpit Fiction. Make sure you do that this week. Subscribe, and 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 it's a really great show. It'll be helpful for you, even if you don't preach lectionary. And then finally, I want to ask you one last thing. I always ask you to do this during the outro, but I know many of you don't listen to the outro because it's the same every week, and, and I don't even listen to outros of other podcasts. But would you go into your Apple Podcasts app or into the iTunes store and leave a review for this podcast? If this show has been helpful for you, if it's been meaningful to you, if it's one that has enhanced your preaching, teaching, or community communication, would you leave a review? It would help other people like you find this show. So again, for all of our listeners in the United States, happy 4th of July. I hope that you enjoyed today's mini-sode, and I will catch you next time on Art of the Sermon. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. 
Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.